Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chan. And I'm Sarah Watt. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, or the same actor, or a similar theme. This month we are discussing A Quiet Place, which is currently at the cinema, and Signs, which came out in 2002. And the connection is, they are both family thriller drama films with some kind of extraterrestrial slash spiritual, we're not quite sure, threat upon the family. Well, hold up, hold up. Guys, I just watched the movie that mixed horror with familial drama where World Weary Patriarch is buoyed after a tragedy by the love for his family in the face of an impending alien invasion. The action takes place in and around a farmhouse surrounded by creepy cornfields. A character obsessively clicks media on the aliens who are great at remaining unseen and communicate by clicking sounds while holed up in his makeshift evidence room and the director himself also plays a key role in the film. But I guess enough about signs. Oh, wait, are we talking about A Quiet Place? (laughs) So, yeah, as you can see, there is a lot of similarities here. So we're going to have a lot of fun today, I think, discussing, comparing, contrasting these films. Uh, Who would like Excellence level. (laughs) Excellence level. Yes, we are teachers. Who would like to start us off? I think the thing that was most compelling to me is that A Quiet Place feels fresh and original and exciting and is one of the best and most suspenseful films I've seen in quite a while and that revisiting signs uh, on the back of A Quiet Place made signs look like a really quite a dreadful film. Um, And yet the minute that I say fresh and original and then go see signs and, and as you have so astutely pointed out, William, there are such enormous similarities between the, the two films. I think, well, how am I thinking that A Quiet Place is quite so innovative? because it does seem to bear so many similarities to Signs. But for me, personally, cards on table, boy, Signs was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, they're both a part of a history of these types of films, and they are both harking back very strongly to uh, a, lot of, a lot of thriller, a lot of horror films. Hitchcock is all over both of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the Master of Suspense, uh, particularly Signs, there's a lot of Hitchcock references. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you about A Quiet Place. It was, it's one of the best films, if not the best film I've seen so far this year. Mm. A very competent, confident piece of work by John Krasinski, who directed the piece, mm. and also starred in it. And co-wrote it. Um, and admittedly, he is one of four writers, but he is one of the key screen players oh, in it, which wow. I think is additionally um, laudable for him. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt was my highlight in A Quiet Place. I thought she... I mean, everything she does is amazing anyway, but she just really so, so dynamic to watch on the screen. Mm. I had such a great time watching her performance. And, and the whole cast, there's, there's sort of four key actors in the film, um, and they do a fantastic job. Mm. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what you were saying, Sarah, about how watching Signs After the Quiet Place just makes it seem very staid. Mm. Um, and I absolutely agree with that. It's It's funny because... I remember when Signs came out, and this is when M. Night Shyamalan was, was the wunderkind. Yes, mm. he, he was the next Spielberg. He had mm. such fresh and exciting takes on genre um, pieces. And then the, the first thing that pops into Signs is this really bombastic old-school Hollywood score. Yeah. Um, and this is the stuff that, it, I mean, it's, it's pretty good music, but it underlines every single emotional beat. It tells the audience what you need to think, mm. where where the, the frights are, where you know the emotional bits are. 
and that kind of that sentimentality and also that that really oh we're gonna we're gonna hold you hold your hand through a very yeah. traditional the movie of yeah it. yeah um and, and that shines through throughout the entire piece the the acting the mm. A lot of how the the mise en scene is is taking place, all that stuff just feels very very classical. But I, I guess what are we like fifteen, sixteen years removed? Yeah, um, it does feel dated. It, it's awfully Strangely dated. It's dated. interesting. Jeremy's um, you mentioned uh, Hitchcock straight off, mm. and the the James Newton Howard score of Signs right from the beginning felt very very Vertigo, very the birds and everything. And Psycho. I mm-hmm. and I was really thinking, God, he is he is. Um, so not exactly making an homage, but you know this is clearly Hitchcockian, and then of mm. course you do have the the ticking the ticking bomb kind of aspect in it. And you're right, it does, it's so on the nose. I mean, there is a there's a shot of uh, Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, and then I think Abigail Breslin sitting on the couch, and the shot is then suddenly through the window looking at them, and the the three of them say we're going to have to board up the windows, and then they look through the window, and it's like we get it, <laughs> you know, you don't <laughs> have to spell this out to us. I think that I, I agree with you. Going back and watching this film, I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of had to sit through it and labour through it. Mm. But when I saw that at the cinema, I would have been fifteen, sixteen years old. I remember really enjoying it. I remember being dissatisfied with the ending. It sort of builds so up. I remember being builds dissatisfied. Up. It builds and builds and builds and then never really pays off. Yeah. It kind of has this, this strange encounter in the lounge. Um, but that film was... It was really interesting when it came out. I think back to that era and we'd just come out of the 90s where we'd had... You know, we'd had the grungy 90 films, the hyper-realism, your Tarantino's, your... Um, you know, a lot of films, Luc Besson, a lot of these movies that are very grungy and gritty mm. and, and dirty. And sort of real-life, crimey sort of films. Yeah. Or at least trying to be realistic, more so than Aliens and Supernatural, right? That's right. That's more it. so than all of the um, superheroes we get now. Mm. And then you had your kind of Matrixes and sort of the, the, fan- the fantasy films were sort of starting to come back with mm-hmm. the, the, the prequel Star Wars films and, and Lord, the, of the and Lord of the Rings and yeah. all that kind of content. So I think Signs came around at a time where we were perhaps craving the classical and craving... Uh, something that was a little bit more reserved than mm. what was happening, you know, and a bit more. It wasn't too gritty and grungy, and and it was everything's quite quite clean and signs. Everything's quite pretty, and it's also a desperately quiet film. Mm. And I kind of chuckled my whole way through watching it, derision aside, because I knew that we were comparing it to a quiet place, mm. which of course, mm. and we'll get onto this, is notable for how incredibly quiet it is. Um, but, and, but it was so interesting that in Signs, they don't have the conceit of we've got to be quiet, mm. and yet everybody speaks in a quiet voice like this the whole way mm. through the film. And Mel Gibson had obviously been told, you need to tone it all down, we want it really nuanced, and so he sort of almost goes into monotone and kind of almost this passivity. He hardly acts at all mm. for somebody who is grieving mm. the loss of his wife and who has renounced God. There's none <laughs> of that. You know, the exorcist, this ain't. There is no drama in this at all. And mm. I was like, how did we get away with that in 2002? So, so is that a 2002 thing or is that a Shyamalan thing? Because I, I know uh, we've all talked on this podcast about our love stash hate for The Happening. I'm, that, I'm so glad you brought up The Happening. Already! The happening is so bad I, and so great. I still have not seen it. And I'm keen to now to compare it to Signs, given that The Sixth Sense was so stunning... I would suggest you get drunk. All right. And you just have a ball. 
Yeah. Because it is so stupid. It's like, it made me realise how stupid science is in now seeing where Shyamalan's career's gone. Yeah. And and back then, I guess, the mystery was so intriguing. And we're like, oh, something's happening here. It's kind of like Donnie Darko. Donnie yeah. Darko's fantastic. Yeah. And then Southland Tales comes along and you're like, what? And then, <laughs> and then the what's the, the box? Richard Kelly's film, The Box. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, this guy just doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. And then he hasn't made a film since. But um, it's the same sort of thing with Shyamalan. He just got more and more wacky. And the happening is kind of... It's peak, peak wacky. Peak, peak wacky. Well, before he goes into the, so the last airbender in the After Earth zone, which is just completely nuts, but oh my gosh, they're happening. And the dialogue is so stupid. And some of the dialogue and signs is so dumb. Oh, and it's yeah. so expositional. Oh, it's terrible. And, and it's, it's very stagey in a way. Yes. Um, just does not feel natural coming out of the mouths of human beings. Or even, ch- like even children to, yeah. to an extra extent. Like there's a part where he goes, where the, where the kid, um, the boy, Rory Culkin's character, talks to Abigail Breslin, who she's just gorgeous. Adorable. She's actually the best thing in the whole film, mm-hmm. I reckon. Oh, Joaquin um, Phoenix is awesome. Yeah, he does a good mm-hmm. job. We'll talk about that. Um, um. <laughs> but she, he says to her, listen, this is going to change all of the history books. This is the... And I'm like, who's... What kid speaks like this? And then, of course, there's a big setup to the, the TV presenter then going, "This will change the history books." But, but, but even all, all of the TV presenters sound sounded absolutely fake. Yeah. Uh, everyone speaks like this and gets exposition across yes. very, very slowly. It's it's weird, actually. You've touched on something that I found disconcerting in Signs. I almost wish they'd played it straight the whole time, but occasionally funny-ish sort of things would happen, uh, in- including that whole, it's going to change the history books, mm. and then cut to the TV presenter saying exactly that so that we can <laughs> chuckle. And I thought, mm, it's kind of detracting from what I would have hoped would feel a little more grave, a bit mm. more serious. I just wanted to mention, of course, that um, The Sixth Sense, which of course was M. Night Shyamalan's breakout film was only 99 yeah. followed it straight up with unbreakable in 2000 and then signs 2002 mm-hmm. so it may not be the difficult second album but it seems like it probably was the difficult third album signs yeah. you know <laughs> I'm, i remember really enjoying the, the village as well and i'm sort of loath to go back and watch that because i think if the stupidity of, of his work if it's slowly escalating as the years go on <laughs> that and that it might not stand up yeah but i mean speaking of exposition mm. it's definitely something that a quiet place isn't uh, guilty of? Well, it is guilty. No, I think it's oh, guilty. Oh, I see. It, it right. is absolutely yeah. guilty of it. Um, yeah. I, I think um, just per our conversation before recording, I, I probably like the, the Quiet Place the least out of us three. Ah, oh. like I, I thought it was really good, but there were some things, and this just might be a neurotic personal thing, but there's there's some things in that movie which bug me to no end. Specifically, I'm thinking of a piece of exposition, a piece of visual exposition. Yes, right at the start, that is at the start and yes, at the end, which yes. is so dumb. I thought and that as well. treats the audience like complete morons. Yes. Um, and then the the movie has the, the gore to go back to it, and yeah. you're like, "Oi, what are you doing?" Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I love the film, and I've given it five stars, but mm-hmm. that is definitely something that I thought, "Oh, that's so on the nose." Do you think that that's Krasinski's? Being a, I mean, this is his debut, right? Um, and I think he's made so, a film before. Uh, he's made two movies, I think. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. I thought this was his directorial debut. Mm. Okay, uh-huh. and I, so maybe I've been giving him more credit than is due. But um, I just wondered. I mean, because I think it's an incredibly assured film, and so maybe that's just one thing that you think, oh, maybe mm. you could have cut that out. Mm. But I mean, we were talking about the fact that the denouement in Signs, where, and we can spoiler it because we're assuming listeners have already gone and seen this film when Rory Culkin is being held by the alien in the lounge 
it's so slow it mm. is so poorly <laughs> edited mm. um, and then there's the really obvious flashback to the wife who says this and then we have to watch Mel Gibson's face realise it and then he has to say it to Joaquin you know cut to Joaquin who's like what cut back to Mel who's like <laughs> you know cut back to the bat on the wall and we're all like we've all done the work already yeah. as viewers you know <laughs> and so it completely lacks tension and I think that one of the biggest problems with signs for me is it totally lacks tension there's that ridiculous um the 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 tv news where the presenter is saying um this footage has just come in from a child's party in mexico what you see may be disturbing and then we see ostensibly somebody in a um a onesie leotard you know <laughs> creeping past a bush and we're supposed to find see, that I frightening that, i did find that terrifying in 2002 and, yeah and that scene's been voted one of the top 100 scariest mo- moments in movies by bravo i think it's number 70 something yeah Yeah. but i was terrified by that i think the lack of the the anticipation and the shaky camera and it really pulled me in and just seeing something walk past i don't know why but it really terrified me so maybe then it's of its time Mm. and that i've Mm. been jaded by 16 years worth of superior frights such that i was like oh it's obviously just a guy in a a dirty purple i think also if you're not if you're not connected with the film and you're not getting drawn in by that then it's not going to have the effect that it, that it is intended to. Sure. But I, I, I will commend signs for barely showing the aliens. Yes. Mm-hmm. You barely see... I think they're in the film for about one minute. That's probably because they're lame aliens. No, but he purposefully... Mm. He purposefully... Because they, they, they were going to be in it much more, and he, mm. he saw the effects, and he thought, no, nah, that's just... Oh, so that's why at the end, most of the alien is seen via reflections. And yeah, and it's in darkness. Yeah. It's got light coming in from both angles, so you mm-hmm. can't really see it. It just feels really low budget. <laughs> It just feels, and not B-grade, it doesn't feel B-grade in a good way. It just kind of feels a bit like, oh, yeah, we couldn't really afford to do that very well. So, And I just think if you're going to do that, you have to edit better. You can make frights <laughs> out of very little. Yeah, and as we yeah, know yeah. from alien, the, the, you know, alien Aliens and so on movies, you know, you can get through an hour of the film without showing the beast. Mm. And we're, we're there and we're petrified. Or, or Jaws. And we're I mean, with that's it. Right, exactly. Point. That's mm. the whole thing. Mm, so yeah. I just feel like there are better ways of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be... There is a Shyamalan. He he does lack a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> even as an film. actor. <laughs> I think his biggest problem with the film is that he directed it, and I feel as though he spent most of his time actually in wardrobe choosing which plaid shirt to wear, <laughs> and that they're all like, "Did we get that, M Night?" And he's like, "I'll go with the red and blue check." You know, <laughs> I honestly think that's one of the biggest problems with signs. My word. I not on the ball. Well, on that note, on that note, uh, with a quiet place, John Krasinski does multitask. I on the ball. That's um, it. No plaid shirts to be seen. <laughs> huh? um, and he and he does a really great acting job as well. Like his yeah. his his performance is very understated. And I mean, the fact that these actors are acting without speaking is so commendable. So commendable. And uh, I talk about it in, in the review that I did of this film, but it reminded me of and wait for it. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh no, uh, you never talk about yeah. Buffy, Jeremy. So, I can't believe. <laughs> and uh, there's a whole episode which actually got nominated for a an Emmy. The one episode that got nominated for an Emmy called Hush, in which all of the characters lose the ability to speak, and they are plagued by um, creatures that are destroyed by a scream. And so someone has to find their voice at some point in the in the in the um, in the in the episode. But they talked about when they're making that episode that when they they had all the blocking written down in the script. The actors just did everything at once. It was just visual chaos. Mm. And they were like, oh my gosh, this is much harder than we thought. They thought it was going to be a breeze. And it was mm. the hardest episode they mm. had to do. 
And uh, and I wonder if they had similar issues with this film, with the way that they choreographed the action. Like, it, it would have to be quite a different way of working. But it worked, didn't it? Well, it did, but I'd be interested to see how much work was behind making yeah. it work. I, I, I really do feel it's admirable to make a film that has less dialogue because there is so much reliance on ridiculous exposition as, mm. as Signs and, and other films do far more egregiously. Mm. Um, I also thought, I, I thought going into A Quiet Place there wasn't even going to be any soundtrack for a lot of it as well. And then when there was little little bits of soundtrack, it made absolute sense. I didn't feel mm-hmm. it was bombastic or holding my hand through the emotions or anything. Mm. I thought it was well-pitched, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, but again, I, I just think the more that you can convey through acting, and mime effectively, isn't it? Um, acting without speaking uh, and, and still have your audience utterly gripped, I think is, is just brilliant mm. there's a scene where the um the the daughter um are we talking uh, about a quiet place a quiet place mm-hmm. yes is having an argument with with her dad and just it, it gets gets across the frustration of having to emotionally express herself without sound so wonderfully yeah because yeah. they're both trying to basically scream at each other but they have to do so through sign language <laughs> yeah brilliant. and just the the actions of, of you know their the hands in their the scrunched up expressions Wonderful stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, there is quite a lot of dialogue in the film, isn't there? Really, because it's all Ultimately, it's all yes. signed. Yeah, um, and there are tiny bits, tiny bits of of when they are in a place where they can speak, mm. but they keep it to a minimum. Mm-hmm. I think there's more to talk about that, but I can't without spoiling. Yeah, there's um, there are definitely moments in the film where uh, they're, they're, uh, the thing is because they're so specific about the rules. There are times where I was questioning, hang on, how are they, how are they doing this? Or, or have they thought about this? Or, yes. And I didn't always have answers to those questions. However, the stakes were so flippin' high in that film, and they successfully set that up very early on, that, I don't know, I kind of trusted the film to to not try and have its cake and eat it, and eat it, and eat it too. And again, mm. I'm trying to talk about something without talking <laughs> about something. But I was very impressed that the film was able to have high stakes... I really cared about every one of those characters. Yes. I really didn't want any of them to get hurt or die. And I thought, man, that is because they've done their groundwork. They spend 40 minutes focusing on this family um, before... Who are already in peril. So it's mm-hmm. like we don't even have the whole getting to know you thing and yeah. then the aliens land and then you've got a problem. It's yeah. like we're right in there. Yeah. We're already in the peril you have to keep silent at all times. We get it. And then, as you say, there's 40 minutes of watching this and feeling this growing tension of, yeah. well, be careful where you walk. Yeah. And I see what you've done there with the sand on the, on the pathway to, mm. to, you know, um, to cover up the sound of walking, which I think is in the trailer, so yeah. that's not a spoiler. And I love the world building mm. of, well, how would you manage this? And what are the things you could do or couldn't do? And then, of course, there are these wonderful, I guess, Hitchcockian aspects to the film um where you think well how are they going to deal with that when the time comes and there are at least three or four that we can't spoiler where you think well goodness have they thought ahead did they think that through (laughs) you know uh and then of course we get the rewards from Mm. all of those moments having to be dealt with in a really perilous and quite sort of desperate way and that's something this film does far far more successfully than science is that it pays it off it pays <clears throat> off all of its tension yes and it has a, a the third act is just fantastic it's so crazy um and not crazy in ridiculous sense but in terms of just the tension like mm. i had my hand in my mouth and i had my hand on my head and yeah and i was fully engaged with this film and i had no idea where it was going to take me and where yeah. it eventually went 
was so satisfying. Yes. Um, so satisfying. Just just every beat. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Yeah. And then also very elegantly done to get there. Mm. Um, what you were talking about with the Hitchcock. I mean, absolutely. Just like Signs, there is such a strong Hitchcock influence here. Mm. Um, there's a ticking clock. There yeah, is, yeah. There uh, are, I mean, there's, there's, there's a literal ticking yeah. thing. Um, but there's there's also other things where something appears and you're like, oh, I wonder how this is going to play in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just talking, randomly going, not randomly going back to Signs, but talking about Signs and talking about a random aspect of that film, which just is ridiculous and it's an Imnach Shyamalan seems to be a staple is random extras having moments of dialogue like the guy in the bookstore that's screaming at the TV for being soda commercials yeah and then his wife and again this is ridiculous dialogue she's like oh yeah I think we've got a book on aliens I think it's somewhere we keep it's the third shelf fourth book from the left exactly we keep it for the out of towners she says she's like I think we've got it it specifically knows knows exactly where it is she is a very good proprietor but but she's but she acts like she didn't even know (laughs) and the soda commercial thing is it's a gag it's simply so I've seen 12 already and then they cut to the TV and he's like and here's another one or what about the chemist girl confessing to the priest and then the guy Mm. it's a great gag with the guy the guy you're sort of peering from behind yeah. Mel Gibson you realise it's a queue of people behind him yeah but the, it's so ludicrous but there are a couple of those sight gags <gasps> where somebody moves and you realise that there are people directly yeah. behind yeah. like it's when Joaquin Phoenix goes to the army recruitment office that's weird why and then there's this weird army recruiter guy behind the desk yeah. who says some kind of nothingness yeah. <laughs> and then there's some dropkick who slags off Joaquin I don't even think that anything that the dropkick says it's <laughs> It's relevant. I mean, he it's talks not, about his baseball career. Yeah. So if I had been paying attention, I might have gone, oh, I wonder if that's going to come in useful later on. But it doesn't matter because they set Joaquin's character up. Um, what's his name? Merrill. Merrill. Merrill yeah. As being a great baseballer and then a failed baseballer. It doesn't matter. But then also the ending, the big twist, the big like revelation that the wife's final dying words was to swing away. What a stupid thing to say. Hit the thing with a bat. That's what she's telling him. Like, yeah, but know? isn't the idea that she has foreseen the whole thing? Yeah, but I mean, for all the things to foresee, what a useless piece of information. Um, no, so, but he, oh my gosh, we can hit it with a bat. Like, it's just so dumb. But like, he, he wasn't going to do so without that, right? Well, I mean, surely, oh. surely it would be throw some water in his face. You know, that would be helpful. And get, get some bucket, buckets of water ready. And they took all day to board up all of the windows. Yeah. And then they go downstairs and then there's like a knocking on the door or whatever. <laughs> and there's the shot of the front door and it's got one plane. I know. <laughs> I it's know. like, what have you all been doing all That's day? What I thought as well. I know. And then they're, they're down there for a bit and they're like, I think it's safe to go outside now. Everything, it's the same in the happening. And spoiler alert, for no reason the happening stops. Yeah. For no reason. <clears throat> and it's the same with this. this why do the aliens go? Because some people threw some water at them. Yeah. It's really <laughs> dumb. So the happening is all of those that stupidity, but escalated to the point where you're like, how is this movie and even that is made? not a good payoff. Yeah, <laughs> that is the equivalent in English teachery terms of the, and they woke up and it was all a dream. Well, do you know what the, the danger is in the happening? Are you going to say? Uh, yeah, can I tell you? I it's, haven't even watched the no, film oh, before. trust me. It's so dumb. It's the wind. So they're oh. literally running away from the wind. That's the film that you're going to be watching. I don't, I'm not going to <laughs> it's now. It's so it's good, nice. Sarah. Even though Mark Wahlberg's in it. <laughs> it's so bad. He's like, what is his line? He's like, um, 
He's like, this is science, guys. You gotta, you gotta listen to science. He might look good now at 17, but you wait till he's 40 and he's my age. He's gonna look all old and gross. I'm like, you're freaking Marky Mark. You look great your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just this, the, the happening is the one where people just inexplicably Start fall kill themselves. Just lie down dead. Oh, or no, they, they oh, kill themselves in horrible, horrible ways. And you see, that deserves a much better But there's no threat. There's thing. no threat to that because if you get hit with the happening, you just quietly go away and kill yourself. You don't become a threat to people around you unless you're driving a car or something. Oh, no, but the threat must be implicit that, you know, what if I am struck by this wind or whatever it is that makes me want to do that? <laughs> you know so what I mean? But so no, I think that's dreadful. There's literally See, there's a scene six... where he talks to it. He talks, there's some dialogue about if you talk to plants, yeah. then it's all good. And he's talking to a plastic plant. And he goes, and I'm talking to a plastic plant. And I'm still talking. And I'm going to leave now. And you're sitting and in the cinema going, what am I watching? And this is, that's the stupid gag bit, where M. Night doesn't know what not to do. But, but isn't that why we love M. Night Shyamalan? No. 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 We love The Sixth Sense. I love The Sixth Sense. And I was very happy with Split until things well, got stupid. Good as well. oh, and then things got crazy things good got, in the final second. You say, you say crazy good. I say just crazy with a K. We're, we're, we're two women are talking at the TV and... and um, slight spoilers for, for what's called Split Where two women look at the TV and go Oh yeah That reminds me What was that guy's name again? In it's, a movie <laughs> Well not quite in a movie <laughs> oh, Because he's in it love. Sitting at the bar Oh my god So uh, yeah I just mm. Have you seen Lady in the Water? Yes yeah. And the, the, the film critic is more Bob by Bailab- creatures Oh yeah yeah <laughs> So and, and, and that cast himself is like a seer of, of humanity. It's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, but, but I mean, that being said, I I genuinely did enjoy, for some weird reason, like the um the, the scene where they're at the pharmacist or the oh actually no not not the the armor recruiter scene that was weird just weirdness I didn't mind that scene at all um, but the, place. I I actually found a lot of pleasure in the little stuff in signs um, maybe maybe not from the writer director point of, uh, point of view. But from from what the actors did, like mm. Mel Gibson, how he would react to some scenes was very naturalistic and felt. It was nice to see Mel Gibson in a film and not be like, because even though I'm like, yeah. it's like, well, back then he wasn't. Ugh. So just, <laughs> I suppose he was because it was all. I think he and Rory Culkin had a mm. really good rapport. I think mm. there was some beautiful. Um, there were some beautiful moments of them on the couch, yeah. Abigail Breslin usually on the other mm-hmm. side as well, mainly with, or on the bed or whatever, mainly Rory Culkin, who I just thought is amazingly, oh, mm. like, preternaturally talented, where he's like, Dad, don't use that tone. And he's like, I didn't use a tone. He's like, I heard you use a tone. Kind of, you know, there's just this yeah. wonderful straight-faced maturity. All, to the, all four actors are really yeah, strong, I yeah. thought. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those kid actors... And the kid actors in A Quiet Place were phenomenal as well. Oh, like, yes. Absolutely. Abigail Breslin, she's gone on to have, you know... Well, you know, Abigail Breslin most, after that yeah. did Little yeah. Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't remember her as being the tiny wee girl in Signs. Mm. Oh, yeah, and I she's know. extraordinary. Yeah. For a little, little yeah. person, she's desperately talented. Like the, uh, the dinner scene where yeah. it's it's not much, but everyone behaves in such natural ways and you can feel oh, like yes. this family, it's dysfunctional. They all love each other. But I did not think Mel Gibson was good in that. I oh, thought really? he was completely scenery chewing where he's like, you're going, I'm going to eat everybody's dinner <laughs> and, and you're going to enjoy it. I reckon it. it's a weird scene to play. I mean, I, I get it. I, reckon, I think it's more and of a scene. he starts chewing away. Yeah, I'm going to eat some of this and then he starts crying and it's like... Just I thought this. a dad, though, would never do that. Like, I'm going to eat everyone. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I think that was the least of the problems. Right, I just okay. thought it was really yeah. badly, dumbly done. And again, mm. for me, that was like the on the nose. It was as on the nose as 
Opening scene, Mel Gibson wakes up, looks at photograph of himself with family, and he's wearing a dog collar, because of course you'd wear your work uniform in a family photo. But then as he leaves the bedroom, there's kind of a, um, a place on the wall where a cross, a crucifix has been removed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gee, I wonder what his faith is like right now. How many times are they going to call him father for yeah. him to go, you don't have to call me father. Stop calling me father. Yeah. But there's also scenes where he's looking directly at the screen. Someone behind him says father, and he says to the screen, don't call me father. I love it. You know what I thought? When I, you, know the scene, you know the scene where he's getting told by the policewoman? Who, I thought she was a... Sherry she's, Jones. She's great in this film. She's got this, this silly character but she does a great job but that scene where she's going you know she's explaining to him that his wife's pinned to the tree and he's like mm. what do you mean and she says you know she's she's not going to make it he's like I don't understand and it reminds me of I think it's in Scary Movie 3 or 4 one of the scary movies and they do they, they've lampooned that scene and pretty much he goes I don't get it he's like well she's broken in half what do you mean yeah. she's not going to survive so what are you saying? And like they just play that they play yeah. the scene out to the it's as horrible. far as they can. And then she says, "Do you understand what I'm telling you, father?" Yeah. And he says, "I this is the last time I'm going to talk to my wife." And she's like, "That's right." <laughs> and it's just like this is horrific. And once again, I feel tonally the film is all over. What the about show. the scene where Joaquin Phoenix and him go, "All right, so let's go outside." <laughs> You run that way, I'll run that way. We'll make as much noise as we can. Oh, no, Joaquin says, act like you're crazy. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what do you mean? Like, And he's like, like cursing and stuff. He's like, I can't be cursing. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter, because you don't mean it. I'm like, what? Oh, Why does it ever matter with cursing? Okay, guys, I, I like that stuff. It was just so weird and goofy. Oh, I liked it when I first saw it, but, but now where I know where that's coming from and where it, where it goes, how well, much we can get it. I, I mean, film. even, all the, again, going back to the little things, like um, the, the the scene where they're watching the footage of the birthday party, how, how Joaquin is, is so anxious. He's like, vamanos, children, vamanos! Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, but it's, it's you know, But it's supposed to be funny, right? Yeah. Uh, also, uh, my favorite scene in the whole of science, and this I only got this viewing, at the very, very end where the a- aliens are busting into the, the was not the attic, the basement, Yeah. Um, and there's this alien arm that comes out and grabs, grabs Roy Culkin, and they, they kind of build this barricade out of all these really oh, yes. heavy things, and there's just one more can, Dude, and it's yeah. just, it's such a weird little character moment, he just, you know, feels the compulsion to finish the job and put the tin can on yeah, top of the pile a, of mattresses it, prob- it was beautiful I, I, did, I did like the Blair Witch moment in that as well oh camera, I thought Blair Witch I said what camera, is this Blair Witch yeah where the camera just kind of is on the ground and focusing on Abigail yeah. Breslin's feet or something but you see that's what made me think there is no budget for this film because they're like <laughs> okay so we need to create a moment where this happens but we don't have any budget for yeah. it so let's just pretend that we're cutting away you know <laughs> oh I, I don't mind talking about Abigail Breslin a bit more that scene at the end where Rory Culkin is so, you know, he's had the EPPN and Mel Gibson's crying, and the camera's kind of flipping between them oh, all. All that happens. But she, but she's wonderful in it. She's having yep. her beats, and she's a little girl. Yep. And she's crying at the right moment, and I'm like, this is phenomenal. This is hard for anyone to do, let alone a little kid. And she just, mm. she just is. I was so impressed with her. She's work. terrific, and the camera work is ridiculous. Yeah. So there you go. Well, that gorgeous little scene where she pours the it's contaminated. She pours the water into the dog thing, and she pushes it across, and the dog barks and stuff. See. And, the thing with signs, right? The water thing, the glasses of water, which is made a relatively big deal of, 
that's a great payoff to realize that actually that's why and that everything mm. that's been happening in this family's <laughs> life has been leading up to this moment serendipitously and again it's just such a shame that in the execution of the execution of the alien with mm. the water it's ridiculous and then you have the 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 alien's POV. eye view yeah, yeah. of the water tipping over <laughs> the dresser <laughs> and coming down on t- I mean honestly yeah. pick a camera shot yeah. or pick a style guy you know but, but you know it could only have happened if you had the water plus the baseball bat and that's why the, the wife's dying words all make Mate, sense oh, so stupid oh. alright let's talk about Quiet Place because I'm such so, a clever movie Quiet I'm Place s- Signs is honestly I was so disappointed how much I was disappointed with Signs I loved it when I was younger <laughs> yeah. and Going back and watching it. <clears throat> but, yeah. So Quiet, quiet place. place. Interesting, as you um, said earlier, William. Um, interesting. House pretty much in the middle of nowhere, or at least isolated. Interesting with the cornfields. Thankfully, no crop circles. But still, all the <laughs> scenes of people running madly and making an awful lot using of noise. Using flashlights. Right, yeah, yeah, using flashlights and causing an awful lot of brouhaha and attention. Um Right. So yeah, lots of similarities there, mm-hmm. um, and some great la- like landmarks. There, there are landmarks throughout the the world. Like you're talking about world building. Mm. Th- it matters. It matters where they are, and it matters. <clears throat> um, it matters. You know, they set up their locations well. Yes. So that you've got them for the, the final bridge, third. the water tower, yeah. the silo um, thing. Yeah. The, the the room with the cameras. The yeah. All that. All that. All those different places. Um, the steps going into the basement. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the whole. I, I just, yeah, so simple and so effective. Talking about loading a gun, eh? Like, mm. In terms of, not literally, but just the way they the, sit up. Or the, lighting the, a fuse. The, the audience I was with were just like, <gasps> yeah. I was sitting there going, oh, the whole when time. is this going to come yeah. back into it? That, absolutely and right. It so comes back into and it. And that's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. <laughs> My gosh. It's interesting that the aliens in A Quiet Place felt, to me at least, reminiscent of the alien that we know and love um, from the... the not alien the, films. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't mind at all that that they seemed to be related. It didn't feel like a cop-out. It didn't feel lazy or anything. It actually, if anything, felt not exactly reassuring because, you know, you never really want to come up against them at all. But, but it felt credible mm. because it felt like, yes... We've seen this monster before, and we know that this is really genuinely perilous, mm. as opposed to the person in the mauve leotard. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> less peril. Uh, I, I really loved as well the, I guess, the metaphor of this family trauma, uh, an unspoken trauma. You know, they, they don't, none mm. of them want to talk about the, the pain of their past as a family. The, the film sort of picks up a year on from... from and so they are end. struck mute anyway. Yeah, so mm. it's told through the through the metaphor of, of not being able to speak. Mm. And I think uh, that is a metaphor. Like, I really like the metaphor of Mel Gibson's character losing his faith, even if it is on the nose and so heavily handed. But I'm not going to waste another minute of my life <laughs> on yeah. prayer! It's quite really? an interesting... It's an interesting idea. <laughs> the execution's terrible. <laughs> But the same thing with uh, Quiet Place. The, um, the 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 metaphor of this family—they're all trying to deal with this pain. Nobody's talking about it, uh, and they are actually talking about a lot of things through sign language. But that's—I mm. love that that uh, duality with what's going on and what's happening under the surface. Yeah. I and mean, that is the best—that is the best kind of horror, science fiction, mm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. When it's the fantastical use to tell something about humanity and about aspects of humanity. Interesting as well, and I know this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer, that one of the children in A Quiet Place is hearing impaired. Mm. Um, And 
you might think, oh, that's a bit of an on-the-nose writing choice, given that the whole film is about being silent. But there's mm. also something beautiful about the fact that everything becomes silent for all of the family and not just for her. Do you, you know, know what you I know mean? she's hearing impaired in real life as well. I didn't. Yeah, yeah mm. so the actor is too. Mm. Yeah. And then what they do with her characters is awesome. Um, just in regards to the sound design. Like yes. Every time we get into her head mm. and the sound completely cuts off and mm. it's yeah. such a, a striking way to express things. Well, it doesn't cut off though. There's, the, the silence in this film is so designed. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes much more of a rushing kind mm. of silence. It's amazing how much how much sound design there is in this yeah. silence. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're right, it does change. But I was just, I was marvelling at the fact that it's not just quiet. It's never actually just quiet. No. There's always some kind of grey noise or something happening. But it is a lovely effect mm-hmm. to put us into her shoes mm. uh, and to increase the peril because, because she because can't it, hear the monsters coming. Every time coming. that happens, you're like, yeah. oh man, something's yeah. happening. Yeah. That's right. Turn around, turn around. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's behind you. you know, and yet it's absolutely better that she can't hear it or turn around perhaps because, I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> mm. it, I, yeah, so cleverly done. Mm. I thought Krasinski, like you said, Jeremy, I think he acted brilliantly and I do think his direction um, was spot on. Um, and you've probably heard or read that he uh, initially, when he, he uh, was going to direct the film, I believe he offered it to Emily or she at least said, no, I don't want to be in it. Hey, you should ask my friend so-and-so. Mm. And he went and offered it to this other actress. Um, and then Emily was like, oh, actually, no, I do want to do it. And he had to mm. go to the friend and say, look, I'm awfully sorry. I've actually given the mm. role to someone else. And she was like, was it Emily? <laughs> and he was like, yes. And she's like, that's fine. They did a really good job together. You know, really I, I, nice. there's a scene in the film where, um, and again, this is not really a spoiler, but she, he's working in the workshop and she comes in and she's got headphones on and they kind of have a lovely little intimate moment dancing in the basement. And I thought, oh, is this going to turn into a sex scene? And I always find that when real couples are in films and they have a sex scene, I'm always like, like ick. I yeah. like too much information. You mean like Tom and Nicole? Yeah. Mm. Or um, or Brad and Angelina. And mm. I never saw that film, but I'm like, I don't really want to see no. that. It's like, and then it becomes not, it's not really make-believe anymore. And I'm mm. like, this is just too much. But I thought they did a really wonderful job at building that intimacy as characters, even though you know in real life they're, sure. they're, they're a husband and wife. Yeah, without mm-hmm. having a... Yeah, become sexual because yeah. it would be totally redundant. And it was a lovely scene, a really mm. lovely moment, and good use of again music that they could bring in the headphones. It's like in Lost for the first season. There was a, the character of Hurley has his discman, and he would mm-hmm. he would very poignantly listen to music that would fit the mood for a <laughs> montage at the end of the episode until I think episode eighteen, where his batteries yes. finally died. Oh, but, that's so great that they built that in. Yeah, so <laughs> that's they used it for about a season, and then they couldn't use it again. Wonderful. Well, how could they after season two? The sure. batteries wouldn't last. Sure. Well, that reminded me a lot of the, the sound design in Baby Driver, where it's also you know it's it's diegetic music because they're literally listening to headphones, mm. um, and then how the quality of the sound changes because you're going from uh, just natural ambiance into something that's very, very contained inside earbuds. Mm. Really good stuff. Mm. Well, let's go back to science for a, for a brief moment because, hey, who, who doesn't love bashing a crap film? Um, but Imran Shyamalan, so he's in that film, like we've mentioned. Uh, he plays the role of a vet who is responsible for the death of... Mel Gibson's, Gibson's wife. wife. And the death of his faith. Yes. And yet he wasn't a drink driver. No, he fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, and apparently it was almost like it was meant to be. I mean, how depressing is that? That it was meant to be that she could die so that she could give some bogus piece of information about getting a bat off the wall and smacking in the face of an alien. <laughs> so dumb. I, I, I love how, again, we, we've already mentioned this, but the look of realisation on Mel Gibson's face yeah. is like, 
Oh, and meanwhile, the aliens just standing there holding Rory Colgan, going, Come on, man, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a little bit of trouble with my syringe of poison here that and I'm trying about, to get in your son's the nose. Ex- exposition. His lungs were closed. His lungs were closed. <laughs> the poison wouldn't have gone in. Well, I'm glad they told me because I couldn't work it out. No. <laughs> Honestly, and no, I'm glad I was he was like, right. Oh. Like, I was thinking that. I was like, How did we survive that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, but Imran Shyamalan's character, he, mm-hmm. it's just really fascinating how he constructs scenes. That, that really don't make any sense. Like, there's that part where he goes, I'm going to the lake because I don't really like water. I don't really know how my chances are. And, and you know, we're going to talk about this. By the way, don't go in the pantry. I walked around there. Drive away. Like, no conversation. Like, yeah. like, like This is, like, probably the most significant thing. Yeah. Like, any other alien film would, like, we caught one, we caught one. Yeah. No, he's caught it in there and he's driving off. Yeah. Oh, my and the word. other, and the, uh, another sign, no pun at all, um, of, of his being a less than competent director, is the fact that Mel Gibson clumsies about with a knife and cuts off the two forefingers of the alien uh, and then goes off and does something else for a bit more of the film. And then when they see the alien in the lounge holding the child, there's a, a shot of the, the hand with the two fingers cut off. Oh, but we then need to be reminded, hey, you remember when he saw that alien guy and yeah. he cut the fingers off? It's the it same be... alien, guys. It would be so elegant if they, if they didn't do that, which is what A Quiet Place does. It, it shows, doesn't tell. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it lets you figure it out. And also, yeah. I was also watching it going, oh my gosh, and now it's going to the flashback of the wife? Like just the, you were saying about the editing's terrible. Yeah. It is terrible. It kills the whole pace We the get thing. it. But it's like, it Fame. cuts back to that scene with her. It's like this emotional moment with his wife. Cut back to the alien in the yeah. lounge. And then He's it's like, still trying to get his syringe <laughs> to work. And then, and then, <laughs> oh, hold and on. Mel I think it's jammed. <laughs> 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 and then Mel Gibson runs outside with the boy. And he's like on the lawn while, he, while Meryl's still inside. With the, it's just yeah. weird. Have you got this? I'm going to leave you with this guy yeah. and the bag. Yeah, you got this. And the glasses and leave my of son water. With you. Yeah. No, my daughter. My little daughter's still in there, isn't yeah. she? Run away. Who cares about her? It's weird. And the other lazy person in signs is the camera person who always just put the camera down on the ground. Did you see how many shots there were <laughs> from the ground? And went off, I don't know, to get a new plaid shirt <laughs> from wardrobe. I don't know. Oh, right. Smoko! I, mean, that, that's, that's always kind of been, in terms of pacing and, and all that, that's always been like M. Night Shyamalan films' weaknesses, right? I mean, even in Sixth Sense, there's some... Some really weird pacing in that movie. I need to watch it again so because I. I think yeah. I feel as though it's brilliantly done. Yeah, and I've watched the, it once. The terrifying this. moments are terrifying, mm, and yeah. that it is well cut, but maybe it isn't. Mm. It's amazing how much going back to watch something and and, and knowing the, the the larger oeuvre of a work mm. from a director yeah. changes. It's like with the Tucker White City was a difference. It was mm-hmm. different. Sorry, I went back and was just marvelled at how brilliant he was the whole <laughs> way through. Whereas in that Shyamalan, it's like I go back and go, oh gosh, these issues were right there from the start. Yeah. Like we were so blinded by... what well, he, he did bring some stuff. And I think yeah. back to, our, to kind of wrap up this conversation full circle, I do think Signs actually did more than we're giving it credit for because at the time it was something really different and fresh. Yeah, at the time. And I wonder if you would have a film like A Quiet Place without Signs mm. in the sense that there, that sort of location and that kind of mood and, and things I mean science does create a certain mood whether it's yeah. not whether it's tense or not is to be debated but mm-hmm. there is this kind of sort of misty hazy kind of slightly off feeling about it and I think it comes from the way that it's filmed it's kind of very lazily put together mm. I think intentionally mm-hmm. and also not intentionally but there's there's a certain kind of yeah misty smoky 
a languidness perhaps. Everyone's a bit, they're all grieving, aren't they? It's all yeah. a grief. It's about that kind of stupid Which is grief. why they're very muted, I suppose, in mm. the way they speak and all. I will, I will give M. Night credit for his casting and directing of young actors mm. because um, the young chap in... Hannah Joel Osmond. In Sixth Sense yeah. was clearly brilliant. Um, and as we've said, Rory Culkin and, and uh, Abigail Breslin. And then uh, Anna Taylor-Joy and, and Split. Absolutely. Like, really... They're all stunning. And, and, and the kid from After the Last Emperor, man, he was, he was so... No, he wasn't. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, I, I started that to. I turned off. Um, Sarah, Sarah, it, oh, and Jeremy, it. it is... It is. It feels like a betrayal, is what that movie is. <laughs> Especially if you love the TV series, that movie does everything, everything wrong at every turn. Oh and I, I've seen quite a few adaptations in my time. I haven't seen as an adaptation as blatantly incompetent as the Last, Last Airbender. I. I think that one of the strongest things about The Sixth Sense, and he got lucky with his first major film, was Tony Collette. Mm. who I have mm. always thought that her acting, <clears throat> particularly in the car with the child, yes. was the best acting I've ever seen in any film by mm. anybody, period. I need to watch it again, because she's wonderful. She got she nominated is, for an Academy Award for that as she's well. She's amazing. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that I saw the trailer the other day for Hereditary, mm. uh, which looks utterly terrifying and much more suspenseful and of a, a quiet place ilk than a signs ilk, thankfully. And Toni Collette is the, mm. the lead, and she's the mama in that. Mm. Um, and so I think that probably the film, which has been said to be utterly brilliant and petrifying and everything, will be incredibly strong. And I bet you a whole lot of that is down to her. So oh, nice. good old M. Night for, you know, for casting relatively little-known Tony Collette back in those days. And she was certainly no, no Hollywood star. Mm. And um, I thought that was very astute of him. So he mm. was onto a good thing then. So maybe he'll be onto a good thing again. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can always listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on Twitter or YouTube, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss or compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, ka kite anō.